Welcome to Finest Work Songs. My name is Matt. My name is also Matt. We have talked, you know, throughout the last couple seasons of this about the various high school and, and college bands I was in, mm-hmm. you know, like Still Life and the Funkadelic Chipmunks. And just want to take a quick moment. One of the biggest fans of those bands passed away recently. Lynn Farrell from from Dunn, North Carolina. His son Chase was the singer in a lot of those bands. You know, we practiced in their carport. So mm-hmm. he, he put up in, with a lot of stuff from, you know, high school boys, quote unquote, making music. <laughs> he he was just a great, great guy who was all in and, and fully supportive of what his, his son and his, his friends did with music. We hated to lose him recently. But, you know, it's funny, you know, I was thinking about the other day with Eddie Van Halen dying. Mm-hmm. We closed our quote unquote concert from the Farrell's carport, the Funkadella Chipmunks did with a acapella version of Happy Trails, which Van Halen did on Diver Down. Chase, uh, his son, and I were texting the other day, and we were like, you know, Mr. Farrell remembered everything that his son's bands did. So he probably was like waiting for Eddie Van Halen to give him a big (laughs) hug and tell him about when his son's band did like a song they did. Yeah. We, we miss Mr. Farrell. He was the kind of a supportive dad that like anytime you hear about a band that kind of makes it, there's always like that one parent or one, mm-hmm. one set of parents that were always there no matter what. And he was that guy. So I just wanted to say that. That's great. He sounds awesome. Yeah, he was great. He was a tremendous, tremendous man. Sounds like you guys had a ton of support and that there was nothing standing in your way. Yeah, there's really no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> we never did more than like one one or two concerts. It wasn't for his lack of trying. No, I mean, if it was if it was up to him, we would have we'd still be doing that. <laughs> so. Matt, it's getting a little bit close to Halloween huh? and uh I know you're a little When uh, you just say Halloween and I get jumpy. Yeah, you're a little trepidatious this time of year. So I don't want you to be alarmed, but we are not alone in this room. No. <laughs> Again? Six feet apart. It's been a while since we've had a guest, and it's been a while since we've had a third Matt in the room with mm-hmm. us. So we are very pleased today to have Matt O'Neill with us. Matt. Matt, thank you for having me. <laughs> how many parents in the 70s were like, how many white parents were like, let's name <laughs> yeah. our suburban kid Matt? Or John. But like I think yeah. if you're born between like 1974 and 1982 and you're a male, there's a good chance your name's Matt. Yeah. I did get a kick out of something, you know, on a similar level on Twitter last week. Someone was like, it's weird to think that in like 50 years, kids are going to be like, hey, this is my grandpa, Braden. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, Matt, we were talking about travel baseball before the show. You know, my son plays, oldest son plays travel baseball. And we were at a tournament a, a few weeks ago and we were playing this team and looking at their lineup mm-hmm. there was a Braden, Aiden, Jaden and Caden <laughs> oh my gosh as a requirement yeah. your uh, your name must rhyme with Aiden <laughs> apparently did you end up going by O'Neill a lot because of so many mats yes O'Neill uh, was my given name we all ended up all the Matt friends going by last names and often still do but actually Matt you and I are related some ways back. On my grandmother's side, we are the O'Neills. Cousin Matt. Yeah, cousin Matt. <laughs> nice to meet you, cuz. How far back does... My grandma. Your grandma. Was an O'Neill. Meemaw? <laughs> O'Neill Ma. O'Neill Ma. Yeah. Matt, do you know the lore behind the O'Neill clan? No, I don't. The family crest is the red hand floating over the water. Yeah. The legend with this is that there were two rival kingdoms... The Unile, mm. which was us, and the, so the like, or something which became the Kennedys. And they had a race across this lake. And the first what? one to touch land 
would become king. And so the O'Neill O'Neil was behind. So he stands up, chops off his hand, and throws it to the shore. And it touches shore first. So he loses a hand, but he becomes king. That sounds like something out of Monty Python. I know. Or or Game of Thrones. (laughs) One of the two. Yeah, Yeah, we're going to have a race to uh, declare authority over this region. (laughs) Jeez. Can we hear your speeches from the candidates? No, it's time to row. Let's get to it. My daughter was like, why would he do that? I'm like, well, because if he didn't become king, by the time he got to shore, they'd probably chop his head off. That's a good point. So lose your hand, lose your head. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. What if he accidentally took off like his riding hand or something? Or his rowing hand? <laughs> oh, and then he could never get to shore. He's he spinning could, around. Wait, he he, couldn't, he couldn't get back to the other side. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to stay over here. Yeah. I'll be king of over here. <laughs> That's insane. That's on my dad's side of the family. So actually, my dad is O'Neill's his middle name, and my brother's O'Neill Jr., but we call him Neil. Call him Neil? You just dropped the O? Well, his name is Jack O'Neill Stevens Jr. Okay. And so we just call him Neil. All right. Yeah. Dropping the like the uh, leader of the band we're going to talk about today. Drop the I. That's right. From his name. <laughs> How's that for a segue? <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Oh, good. What is the band that we're going to talk about? One of the uh, iconic but unheralded southern rock bands out of the uh, state of Georgia, driving and crying in their uh, well-known album, Mystery Road. As always, we like to start with our memories. So, O'Neill, what is your memory of Driving and Crying's Mystery Road? Yes, Stevens, I'll tell you all about it. <laughs> so, I grew up in the Atlanta area, in Marietta, Georgia. I think maybe at the time, I, I took a lot of the music that I was listening to for granted. I had an older, I had, well, she's still around. I have an older sister who's about a little less than six years older than me. Mm-hmm. So, she was, you know, the cooler older sister that exposed me to a lot of music. And I don't really recall the first time listening to this particular record just because I feel like I heard it a lot. And it was local music that we heard, like you heard Honeysuckle Blue mm-hmm. on the radio. Listening to this stuff, you know, as I've, I've gotten into my 40s, as part of my midlife crisis, I've gone back and started kind of re-listening to some of these albums that I listened to when I was younger and kind of remembering mm-hmm. how they made me feel and kind of reflecting on those a little bit. You know, This album in particular, though, is one that never really left my CD deck or, hmm. you know, now it's all digital and stream but i I mean i I probably listen to at least one or two songs off of this record like on a weekly basis Mm -hmm. i mean it's heavily in my play rotation Mm -hmm. so that level of nostalgia has decreased a little bit just because of it's almost a ubiquitous sort of thing for me to have this music in my ear so they would be played on it wasn't just a local college station it would be the rock station yeah the local rock station would play this stuff and obviously you know when their next album came out, which was mm-hmm. "Fly Me Courageous," mm-hmm. and they you know had Made their they had their fifteen minutes of fame, yeah. you heard it a lot more. But yeah, there was some radio exposure. But yeah, I think for the most part, this album in particular coming through, it was kind of a hand me down from an older sibling, or you know, mm-hmm. somebody comes back from boarding school for Christmas and is like, "Hey, listen to this stuff." Yep. And driving a car in particular, I feel like if you kind of go through the southeast mm-hmm. especially the big college towns you know there's a level of familiarity with this band yeah. that is very present but if you go outside of the southeast nobody knows who driving and crying is okay. they've never heard it you know if they 
weren't watching MTV in 1991 or whatever. They, they might hear like Fly Me Courageous and go, oh, I recognize right. that or song. The, yeah. They wouldn't know it's driving they would, Yeah, they would know. They might have heard Straight to Hell and be like, yeah. oh, yeah, they don't know anything about the band. That's why yeah. I, I you know, say they're unheralded because yeah. they put out some great music. And in fact, they're still recording to this day. Yeah. You know, there's been several incarnations of the band. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a couple of static members, Tim Nielsen and Kevin Kinney. Mm-hmm. They're still putting stuff out there and on the road and traveling and playing live shows. And if you go look at their tour schedule ever, I mean, it's pretty much in one geographic area. It's the Southeast. Yeah. They may go elsewhere. Like, oh, we'll go play Europe because we want to take a trip to Europe <laughs> and have to pay for it. But I sort of liken Kevin Kenny to like the South's version of Jay Mascus of Dinosaur Jr. where right. it's like had some kind of notoriety. You one or two guys that are kind of always in the band and the band never really breaks up, never really goes away, keeps making music. And then he's off always doing side projects with someone. Absolutely. And they both have kind of like gotten bigger physically they've gotten older and they, but they still rock the long hair you know that's a, th- a thing about kevin there's a documentary we were talking about a little bit called scarred but smarter that a, a fan put out and as you get towards the end of it kevin reveals that he indeed doesn't have much hair he actually has like a weave put in before what? concerts and he wears a hat and he's got like hair that comes out it's sewn into the hat so it looks like he's got like long those, hair gosh. it's like and, one of those golf visors yeah, with hair. <laughs> yeah it's a halloween costume and what is interesting is the level of authenticity and honesty that Kevin projects in his music and you know even just his stage banter you wouldn't expect someone to to hide his balding head from yeah. you but he lets the documentarian go through and actually watch this process of his hair being put in so like okay I'm I'm honest about yeah. hey that's not real interesting yeah wow Matt, what about you? We talked on our, our Connell's episode about how iconic the T-shirt of Fun and Games, the uh-huh. album cover was. Mystery Road was the same thing. I remember older guys in my high school who were wearing this T-shirt that had Mystery Road on it. I don't think it said Driving and Crying anywhere on it. It stuck out to me. There had to have been something about whatever this Mystery Road thing was. Fast forward a few years and Fly Me Courageous comes out and it's a pretty big album. It has some hits on it. And I really got into that album and then sort of like on a whim, Matt Stevens, you and I have talked for you know, years, not on the show, but we've talked about the R.E.M. tour film. Oh, yeah. Which I've just obsessed over. Mm-hmm. And there's a song they do leading into King of Birds. Finally, after like the 4,000th time of watching this movie, as the credits were rolling, I paused it. I was like, what, what are these songs? And, and you get to one, the one before King of Birds. I'm like, oh, it's With the People by Driving and Crying. That was when I finally was like, okay, I got I got to check this out. And so I went out, bought Mystery Road, picked up the CD, and was like, there's that T-shirt, you know, there's that image of from this album, this 
very bucolic, very Southern imagery on the album cover. I wish I had picked it up earlier, kind of like you, Matt. I wish I had been exposed to Mystery Road when I was 12, you know, versus 17. Because I think I think I would have that similar, you know, just nostalgic and experience of like these songs meaning a, a whole lot more to me than they do. They still mean a lot to me because just musically and, and lyrically, I just love this album so much. And because I'll always sort of associate the power of you're watching Michael Stipe sing you know, with the people leading in the you know, King of Birds. And so I wish this was something I'd been exposed to beyond just a t-shirt you know, when I was like 13 years yeah, old. Yeah. So. Well, Matt, you may be interested to know too that originally when Island had given Kevin and the guys the opportunity to do this album that uh, their producer was Peter Buck Mm -hmm. and he did a lot of the arrangements on these songs and that's why I think it has that broad feel I mean there's some of these songs on here that have a little bit of REM Mm -hmm. in them oh yeah and you'll you'll hear that come through eventually I guess Island felt that Peter Buck wasn't experienced enough of a producer to handle the duties of this album so they put it in someone else's hands I mean what you come out with as a final product is a fantastic album but Mm -hmm. i I wonder what it would have been like had peter buck had full authority over Mm -hmm. the final production of this album but could have leaned um, even more rem all right matt what about you what's your memory of driving and crying or mystery road matt i had a little bit of a career change Hmm. late in life i don't know if you knew that i I was in a spot that i found that i really wanted to help people and so i went to medical school Hmm. except while there i felt that it was soulless Hmm. the bedside manner of these doctors and the approach to medicine was crazy. Like you wouldn't even be able to see a patient until your third year in medical school. My approach was a little bit unorthodox, but I still stand by it is that I thought that if I made them laugh, Mm. that it would heal them. And so I basically throughout medical school, instead of like studying or anything, I just, you know, worked on like juggling and sure. All the great doctors. You dress up like a clown. Yeah, (laughs) it worked. Right. I, I think I cured like tons of people of diseases and, things i mean it's my idea that coronavirus would go away if we would just start laughing sure and i am a doctor but obviously the dean of the school was not into how i was treating people this way Mm -hmm. and called it not just unorthodox but dangerous Mm -hmm. you know because like why why wouldn't you give them medicine and i'm like why wouldn't you make them laugh you know so that was like the two diametrically opposed sides that whole um, science versus comedy debate is a good one ongoing yeah. ever since the dawn of time <laughs> all those cave drawings are just like comedy versus science <laughs> caveman stand up <laughs> caveman with like a beaker <laughs> well, another another drawing of a caveman slipping on a banana yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the debate rages on and the guy he didn't even want to let me graduate he accused me of malpractice and and just said you know why wouldn't you give them medicine you're just gonna send them away driving and laughing and I was like, is it better to give him some medicine and send him away driving and crying? And he's like, oh, by the way, hold on, here's your diploma. That's fine. But also, here is this album, Mystery Road by Driving and Crying. So that's how I first heard about Mystery Road. Nice. My uncle Mork had a uh, similar experience in medical school. I like Uncle Mork, uncle especially Mork? at delivery. My uncle Mork. <laughs> All right, so the first track on Mystery Road is Ain't It Strange. I saw two people kissing on the street today Holding hands and promising there'd be no end 
You won't see them live now because of the coronavirus, but if you could see them live, bring some earplugs because they're an incredibly loud rock and roll band. Mm -hmm. And to introduce this album with the string arrangements and, you know, fiddle Mm -hmm. going, I thought was a really interesting way to do it. And and it's kind of a weird song. It's, It's cool. You know, the lyrics kind of get you thinking about trying to do something in your life that's meaningful and unexpected. And mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of value in that. The song really seems to hold up now, except for the Volvo reference <laughs> in there. I don't know what Kevin's got against Volvo. but uh, I mean, they're safe. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, thinking, back to, thinking back to the 80s, I remembered seeing lots of Volvos around, yeah. and that was like a luxury car back well, then. Well, it's also so, kind of like the yuppie car. What is it today? Is it, is it still a Volvo? The Tahoe. Tesla? Yeah, I mean, that's pretty yuppie. I could yeah. see that. Yeah. Uncle Tupelo gets credited with being the godfathers of alt country. Mm-hmm. But if they had an album like this, I've never heard Driving and Crying mentioned in an alt country conversation. I don't know that they would ever be put into that mold, but I bet if you talk to a lot of those alt country bands as an influence or somebody they were listening to, you probably hear Kevin Kinney's name come up or Driving and Crying as like, oh, you know, this is influential on like what we did. Just I think the prolificness of his songwriting and some of this stuff even his solo work like he's just he's written a lot of great songs that nobody knows about if you're not really listening whereas the first one i felt oh man this could be an alt country album the second song that we're going to look at today uh, quickly dispelled that Skinnered riff. ACDC? Yes. Yeah. That's what I thought of. Yeah. I mean, he doesn't have what I would call like a great singing voice. He has the ability to do a lot of different things with his voice. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a really interesting part about the music and his delivery, too. Yeah. It's really you know, unique. But what a change from that first song. Oh, absolutely. From that opening riff to the drums, the yep. way the drums come in. And then, like you said, that Leonard Skinner riff. <laughs> when he played it the first time and then repeated it, I thought... If they don't double that with a higher octave, <laughs> right. I'm going to fight somebody. But then they came in, and I was like, that's what you do. Yeah. This is like a prototypical Southern rock song. You've got the dual guitars going. And the other guitar player the band brought in at this time was Buren Fowler, who was the guitar tech for R.E.M. Hmm. If Peter Buck's guitar tech could play what we just heard, right. I'm just thinking about how it's 
insecure Peter Buck must have been because <laughs> he's not known as a shredding guitarist. No, like, not at all. But I like to imagine him like warming up the guitar. Just like shredding stage. Steve Vai <laughs> yeah. kind of licks. Hey, got, I got it ready for you, boss. <laughs> and, all, and all the it's sound hot. guys. Every, yeah, they're like, oh my gosh, this guy's amazing. All the people in the crowd, like as they're doing sound checks, are like, yeah. Oh, woo, woo, that? And then Peter, Peter Buck, Buck comes out and he's like, I actually had this conversation with a couple friends like last week about where is Southern rock today? Is there such thing as Southern rock? When my friends were talking about this, you know, we said, oh, you know, you've got, you had Allman Brothers and Leonard Skinner and Black Crows. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's definitely Black Crows. Blackberry, Blackberry Smoke is a band that's around now. I think that you could probably put into that category yeah. yeah i also never hear people talk about driving and crying in that yeah it was in it's southern weird. rock in southern rock like as like a southern rock band so when does driving and crying get brought up aside from regionally like if you're talking about genres maybe like with an album like this they're so spread out that they're not fitting in a box and so you're not thinking of them being oh they're a country band they're yeah. a rock band but then you get to fly me courageous and it's like all in on hard rock. Right. And I think that was by design from the record company to do that. Cause mm-hmm. at the time, you know, there were still hair bands and there was that hard yeah. rock element and like, okay, there was room for a Southern rock band and this like LA metal band. And you know, you had all that and then grunge happened and nobody cared anymore. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, if there was ever a victim of grunge, it's this band right here. Right. You know, there was <laughs> at this point, like, yeah. sorry guys, but you're not relevant at all. And you're not going to be until the, your fan base turns 40 and starts <laughs> looking backward in time. Definitely a Southern rock anthem. It's got all the elements. Lyrically, it does what Kevin does best, really paints a picture Mm -hmm. in your mind about what he's singing about. And you can visualize these things and making some geographical reference to the South. He drops the Blue Ridge Mountains. I'm like, I know those mountains. Chattahoochee River, boy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm a sucker for name dropping things, I know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I like that element to it. Evidently, I think the backstory in the song was that they were in New York. Mm -hmm. Kevin had run into a 
a homeless person on the street and I don't know, maybe struck up a conversation as Kevin seems like the kind of guy that would want to sit down and tell me your story. Man, I want to hear about your life. This is a pretty staple song of theirs, right? I've seen that it's been covered. And if you could say there was a hit on this album, this Mm -hmm. is one that got radio play. And this is one of those like, Oh, I know that song. You Mm -hmm. might not know driving and crying, but you've heard this song. At least if you live in the Southeast at some point, You've listened to this song. I feel like this is another song that should be like a bar staple. Any band in the South, how is this song not like... Break out your air guitars, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) How is this not played more in that kind of element? Because you're right, it's got all the elements of, of a Southern rock song. This is my favorite song on this album. Oh, yeah, nice. And really, you know... The build-up at the end, the Mm -hmm. crescendo that Mm -hmm. it rises to is... uh, The backing vocals. Yeah, it's awesome. And if you can decipher the lyrics at the end of the song, that last stanza, like I'd love to know what he's actually singing because it's like... It's almost nonsensical. I have no idea what the words are till like the very end. But like, I wish I did because like I'm, you know, you're pumping your fist mm-hmm. as you're listening to this. It's got that allure to it and that power. It's a powerful song. I can even remember you know, as a, as a kid picking honeysuckle off like the bushes in our yard and squeezing like the honeysuckle yep. juice out. Trying you get like enough for like a spoon. How many of these things do I have to eat <laughs> to fill up on honeysuckle? <laughs> And maybe it's not, but that seems like a very quintessential Southern reference sure, to Honeysuckle. Yeah. You know? It almost seems like someone's daughter, like, oh, this is my daughter, Honeysuckle Blue. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say dog. It's a great dog name, but you said or daughter. Or a dog. Yeah. I mean, they kind of, sometimes they're kind of intertwined. Yeah, yeah. I like the lost and found and then lost again to yeah. the Honeysuckle Blue. I thought that was a pretty clever lyric. Mm-hmm. It's good. I also like that he isn't afraid to go into a ripping guitar solo after the first verse. After the first verse, <laughs> yeah. like let's just let's get into it. Suck on that, Peter Buck. <laughs> Sunset city sky, nine o'clock at night. Gather around the square to show them that we care to call them to what it is we need, what they believe we need. What it is we see, what they believe we see, it's been a long, 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 and it keeps on going on and on and on, people must right the wrongs, and the singer must sing the songs and walk with me and sing with the people definitely has a socialist kind of vibe to it right the leader must start the march and fall behind and walk with the people ah. that's my big takeaway from this one lyrically mm-hmm. um i love the soft melody mm-hmm. you don't get any screaming no. guitar solo peter bug got his wish on this one yeah i think peter bug actually plays dulcimer on does this he one. i think so well it this is the rem one to me yeah oh yeah this is all automatic for the people there's a lot of like lyrical things in this so very like quotable lines you could pull out mm-hmm. of this song that mm-hmm. I think that are like just really brilliant kind of show Kevin's mastery of lyric writing and I think you know that's the one thing people that are fans of Driving and Crying really tune in on is what a great songwriter mm-hmm. Kevin is and what he's able to do lyrically you know I'm not saying he's Bob Dylan or that level but he might be Atlanta's version of it mm-hmm. in terms of what he's able to put out there and, and what he's able to evoke through his song. 
one thing I, I love about his voice, his voice always feels like it's on the edge of cracking. He can get loud when he needs to and it works. But I think for on a song like this, that vulnerability plays so well to a song like this. I'm surprised Honeysuckle Blue doesn't get played more, covered more, like as a, your bar bands and things like that. Similarly, I'm surprised you don't hear this song more covered, particularly as you get around like election season. Lyrically, it's you would think you would hear someone play this at particularly like a Democratic convention or a rally. Or but something I think like there's that. the reason that Michael Stipe picked up on it, right on the Green Tour. Yeah, it seems to fall in line when you say what it's about. That that's really what he was pushing on Green. Yeah, that's true, and it makes perfect sense that they would have covered this. This is Wild Dog Moon. That's a very That's an REM bridge oh my right gosh, there. Yeah. The outro on this one though is like I think that's what makes the song. All right, let's check that out. Solo through the open plains, Dylan's blowing through my veins, a thousand watts of stereo, Impala green and bold. Definitely a car guy. Z, you have a lot of car references? Well, uh, yeah, there's a lot of car references. In fact, a lot of like their merchandise and whatnot features gears and wrenches, and you know, it's very I mean, their name driving. Is driving. Yeah, yeah, there's okay, there's, yeah. A, there's a heavy a heavy enough. car <laughs> element to what's going on. But I'm like, I don't and, see it. <laughs> the, the, the name of the band was chosen by Kevin, and it actually describes the dynamic of what they do musically. You have driving songs and you have crying songs. Mm-hmm. It makes a lot of sense. And, and this song does all of that. It starts out as this rocker. And yeah. uh, the vocals are just, they, it sounds awesome. It's pumping guitar, yeah, the drum. Yeah, lyrics, there's, yeah, there's a ton of cowbell happening. Um, <laughs> it's great. And then we were mentioning, you know, there's that REM like bridge mm-hmm. in there. And then it goes back into the rocker again. And then, there's the whole outro to the mm-hmm. song that ha- it just turns into this melodic, very soft. It gives you this sort of nostalgic feel to it and, and really shows Kevin's vocal delivery. And one of the things that makes him so unique, there's no one that can sound like him. It's almost Willie Nelson-esque. It's just an unexpected delivery. Here's these lyrics. If you had given them to me or any other musicians, they would sing them a completely different way you know, based on the music, but Kevin sort of drops it in in his own very unique fashion. A really cool song. I mean, you get three songs in one, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> I can't decide which Kevin voice I like the best. At the end, that outro, that sort of softer voice, almost cracking. Mm-hmm. I think I like that. But then I listen to like him yell on one of these songs, like, uh, what's his name? Bon, bon Scott. Scott. Yeah. You know, and then I'm like, oh, no, he needs to do that more. You know? So I go, I, I seriously go back and forth. Whatever he's doing, generally, I'm like, yeah, this is the one I like. But then he does something else. I'm like, no, maybe that's the Kevin I like. But I feel like no matter what it is, it fits that part of the song or it fits that song well. Like, like I, I never hear 
like him doing the soft voice cracking and think, oh, he should be yelling here right. now or vice versa. But yeah, yeah what a range. Yeah. What a unique voice. Like you said, it's not the best voice. Yeah. But there's something about it that you, you're like, man, that really fits. It's yeah, the bad. Willie Nelson comparison is pretty good because I hadn't thought about that. If anyone else sings on the road again and it doesn't sound the same. Yeah, you, yeah, you, you can't you can't duplicate that at yeah. all. It's so unique. And like also, I feel like Willie's voice at times is also like on that precipice. Like, is he going to fall off a cliff here? Or <laughs> like, are we just going to, you mm-hmm. know, is he going to bring it home? And, mm-hmm. you know, they, they always manage to kind of stay on the path. But mm-hmm. very unique deliveries. Can't out Willie, Willie. <laughs> Some have tried. Some have tried. <laughs> Some have died. <laughs> Next song we're going to cover is Straight to Hell. Of all the songs about latchkey kids, this is probably the best one. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. <laughs> that was a big deal in the 80s, man. Latchkey latch kids. kids. Yeah. When I was in college, every party I went to, there were like three songs that would inevitably get played as the party kind of was winding down. Chumba Wubba. Chumba Wubba. Chumba Wubba. Chumba Wubba. Chumba Hanson and Bob. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> we um, didn't go to the same party. <laughs> <laughs> One would always be Sweet Home Alabama, like sort of standard. Mm-hmm. The other one would be Family Tradition by Hank Williams Jr. I don't know that one. And then this one, went straight to hell, somehow inevitably get late in the night. Late in the night, you know. Everyone's starting to wind down. You, you know, got hey. people kind of like leaning back on a couch, kind of like, whew, it's time to go home. This is like a hug me sing along. And and everybody would sing along to it. And yeah. like at the top of their lungs, like the song. I know it's it got a level of, of popularity. Freaking Darius Rucker and Luke Bryan and all these guys covered it. And yeah. you know, Darius Rucker talks about how this was like the song everyone sang at the bar. Mm-hmm. So it's got that level of cachet too. But this is another song. I don't know why it's not 
more well known. Yeah, out, outside of this region, you yeah. know, and that's one of those things. Like, I, I love this song sober at seven in the morning. I love this song <laughs> drunk at two a.m. You know, it's uh, it, it holds up in both venues yeah. and uh, does that Kevin thing where he he paints that picture. You mm-hmm. know, that it's very uh, narrative driven. There's mm-hmm. a story being told here, and it carries out throughout the song. Each even each little part, like it's just going through this daily life of this latchkey kid just yeah. sort of roaming the streets going to the park till the dawn breaks again yeah. yeah and like and then like his mom who's obviously just hooking up with random dudes yeah. eventually comes out of her stupor and is like hey where where's my kid you yeah. know and like he comes wandering in at whatever hour and the neighbors kind of looking disdainfully upon mm-hmm. him just a, a, a good story and put into this very country mm-hmm. framework what you come out with is a perfect bar song and so singable yeah yeah that chorus well i wanted to tell you i was at a driving and crying concert at rocky mount mills which is like i guess rocky mount's answer to the american tobacco campus in durham Uh Mm -hmm. for our non-area listeners these are old tobacco (laughs) warehouses that have been refurbished and they were having a concert and and they started playing i mean it was summertime it was still light outside there i think they're about four songs in and there was this very very drunk guy leaned up against an oak tree maybe 30, 40 yards away from the stage, and they get between songs, and he goes, straight to hell! Play straight to hell! It's the light outside. Everyone's, there's there's children running around with, like, Frisbees and soccer balls, and, and you know, everyone looks at him like, really, man? And, and Kevin stops. He's like, I mean... You know, we were going to do that later on, um, but okay, sure. You know, Kevin, he does it. Yeah, they, they played it. They went into it fifth song, like, and everyone's like, you ruined the concert, man. Exactly. Oh, my gosh. That's so great. Because I mean, that guy in a bar, you don't look over at him. You just hear it. Yeah. But yeah. leaning against an oak tree I can all see by you. himself. Yeah. Yeah. Drunk yeah. at like 6 p.m. already. Like, man, you got here early, didn't you? Yeah. I mean, oh, it's, it's, it's their free bird. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. it's got to be. So, listeners, one thing we challenge each other with is if you had to remove a song off an album, which one would it be? And so, Kevin Kinney mm-hmm. is what? What's he going to do to What's you? What's he going to do to you if you don't take one? He's going to make you put on his wig hat <laughs> and sleep in it if you don't take a song off Mystery he, Road. He's going he's gonna, to he's gonna make you put on his wig hat and, and take your family Christmas card photo wearing the wig hat. That's perfect if you don't take a song off. Yeah. So, Matt, let's start with you. What song would you remember? The one song that, to me, I like, but it seems like it would have fit better on Fly Me Courageous is Malfunction Junction. Put it on Fly Me Courageous, and I'm good with it. Don't put it on Mystery Road. What about you, Matt? Initial reaction for me was Malfunction Junction, just because something about them singing Malfunction Junction over and over again, it made me think of, what is it? Junction Junction. Junction Junction, what's your function? (laughs) I don't know. There's something about it that I thought, uh, yeah, I don't like. What about you, Matt? Thanks for asking, Matt. Um, (laughs) You're welcome, Matt. Yeah. I think for me, it's got to be the final track on the album, Syllables. The 
It's only like a minute and a yeah. half long. Or something. It's not because I dislike the song. Yeah. Having learned a little bit about Kevin Kenny's roots, he started out in punk bands, mm-hmm. and this is a punk song, mm-hmm. and it's it's actually a pretty good one. I mean, I, I, yeah. I don't dislike it. The problem was the placement. It comes after straight to straight hell. Straight to hell. <laughs> I mean, like, if you even made it to this song, I feel like there's something wrong with you. Like, you just have to turn it off after straight to hell. And you keep singing it. Yeah. yeah. It's too jarring. It's like, hey, don't forget that we rock. <laughs> That's right. I love how he starts playing it so fast, and the drummer's like, slow it down. Yeah. Like, it's clear. One, two, three, four. Yeah. <laughs> the drummer's like, can't do it. Here's as far as I can go. You know, it's like closing your concert in a way. It's like, hey, you know, if you stuck around this long, then yeah. here's this treat, and and oh, we're gonna do a double encore. <laughs> One, two, three, four. <laughs> it's like the lights come up, everybody's hugging and walking out, and then they play syllables, and everybody's like, oh man, stop, we're, ju- we're done. Like, yeah, we're done. We were good. The lights are on. Yeah. Thanks, first of all, Matt, for, for being with us today. This has been a lot of fun to talk about this album and to hear your thoughts on Mystery Road. Yes, happy to share. Thank yeah. you. Listeners, thanks again for listening to this uh, Epipod and previous Epipods as well. And you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Finest Work Songs. Check out our website, finestworksongs.com. Follow us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, etc. And also, if you're on MySpace, why? <laughs> But we'll be back soon with another Epipod. So remember, it's 2020. It's an election year. So when you vote, vote Finest Work Songs. Our theme song is by the incredible band Medium Heat. This track is called Radio. And you should check them out at mediumheat.bandcamp.com. They are on Facebook at Medium Heat Music. <laughs>